Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Nerd Out Sanctuary. Welcome to tonight's entertainment. Um, I am your host, Michael Donata, a little Dark Knight reference for you. A little spoiler alert, that might be in my top 100. I don't know where, though. You're going to have to find out. But anyway, sorry for, uh, you know, haven't been, uh, haven't uploaded a, a podcast and I think maybe a little... Over a week now, I believe. I think my. I hope you guys enjoyed my last one with my top ten movies of 2020. Hope you enjoyed that one. I did something a little bit different there. I don't know how much people enjoyed that, but uh, I enjoyed making that. So uh, I really wanted to get that one out to you. So I know last week was kind of packed full. I think I put out three episodes last week, so or two weeks ago. So um. Yeah, um, sorry I haven't been, uh, I haven't put out another episode. There was some stuff that I need to deal with work, you know, there's been a lot of snow here. I've been shoveling snow. I've been doing other stuff, you know, just kind of, I took a little bit of a break after that, like, you know, podcast heavy week, um, where I think I put out, what, episode 30, 31, and 32 in, like, one week, so that was kind of intense. But, uh, also been kind of working on a Why I Love episode slowly but surely i mean i don't don't really expect that one too soon because i need to watch like a full like 18 episodes of a series before i you know start really producing writing out the notes for that um but uh yeah expect that in the coming future um but uh yeah i mean if you haven't if this is your first ever episode of nerd owl sanctuary my name's Mike. This is also a video podcast. I'm on YouTube. You know, if, you know, hey, check out my clips on YouTube if you don't want to listen to every single one of my episodes, if you just want to like the quick cut versions of them. Plus, I have some cool video edits in all my videos too, which hopefully enhance the experience and make you want to watch and check them out for sure. I mean, it's definitely check out my my top 10 movies video i think uh, i think both my 2019 and 2020 ones are pretty good so yeah i mean check my uh youtube channel out follow me on twitter um michael donato at nos underscore mikey if you you know want to you don't have to but you know it's there haven't been active on that (laughs) for like the past week but hopefully i'll get back to it but you know it's also twitter so there's a lot of shit on Twitter, which is like now I'm learning. I'm like, oh yeah, this this app, yeah. There's a lot of dumb shit on here, but you know, kind of fun at the same time. But uh, yeah, we got a interesting uh, episode here for you. Uh, episode number thirty three, nah, double threes. But uh, yeah, I got three really cool films to talk about today, and then uh, we're getting back into my top one hundred films. We're getting uh, like I said, I'm getting down to the nitty gritty here. We're going. 20 through 16 in my top 100 so some pretty heavy hitters there i'm not talking about any valentine's day movies in this episode because fuck that holiday (laughs) um but uh anyway doesn't matter we're gonna get right into it first um first film that we're gonna be talking about today we're gonna be talking about prospect looked at this one on netflix random film that i just decided to watch if you don't know, uh, unfamiliar with this film, which you probably aren't, um, a teenage girl and her father are on some spaceship that's orbiting some remote moon um, that they refer to as the Green. And they go down to the Green to, I guess, dig or prospect this certain type of mineral. It's like an organic crystal type of thing. It's hard to describe without spoiling things but uh yeah this thing that they are going to dig for um it requires uh, like precise skill to kind of extract this organic crystal because it's encased in some organic i don't know it's almost like a life form of some sort it looks like an egg egg sack or something when they actually pull it out of the ground it looks like a scrotum almost it's pretty hilarious the first time you see it and it's kind of gross at the same time but like if you like miss like you know like cutting it open in a such a way like this you know organic thing like releases some type of like acidic substance some acid that ruins the mineral and it's 
pretty much worthless at that point. But if you extract it right, these things can be sold and they're worth, you know, a pretty penny. So they're worth a lot. So, yeah, if that's kind of the story, um, starting off with, um, there's a little bit more to it than that, but I don't really want to spoil anything for you. Um, the cast is a little interesting. Uh, an actress named Sophie Thatcher plays uh, the young girl C in it. Um, Jay Duplass, Mark Duplass's brother, plays her father, which I thought was kind of cool. I, I, remind, I was like, that looks like Mark Duplass, but it's not him, and it's, it turns out to be his brother. But the big heavy hitter in this is Pedro Pascal. And uh, I think you've just recently heard that Pedro Pascal is cast as Joel in the new Last of Us HBO series um coming out and he's been cast as Joel um and if you're definitely you know intrigued by that check this film out because I guarantee the people who casted Pedro Pascal as Joel this film was a big thing um with their decision um so getting back to the film prospect a very interesting viewing experience to me because I saw that it was a horror film I'm not a horror film I'm, I'm a sci-fi film by the poster and course um, by like the quick synopsis on Netflix. But I mean, again, I didn't check out a trailer. I didn't really read what the film was about. I just kind of saw that it's kind of, it's, it has a sci-fi, you know, themed poster. It has Pedro pa Pascal in it and it won some film award for, I think some South by Southwest festival. That's what it says on Netflix. So, I mean, it's very, Interesting, but uh, again, I didn't really know anything about it. Never watched a trailer. I didn't. I, I I don't really know. Didn't know anything about it. So those are always kind of the best viewing experiences, especially if they pleasantly surprise you, which this one kind of did. But the real thing that was really intriguing throughout, you know, watching the film is kind of discovering its sort of subgenre, because there's a lot of subgenres to sci-fi. You know, there's cosmic horror with like the thing or uh, more modern annihilation you, you have hard sci-fi with 2001 a space odyssey and blade runner you have sci-fi action with aliens or you know terminator sci-fi adventure uh, adventure <laughs> sci-fi avenger um they are kind of in the avengers but a sci-fi adventure with guardians of the galaxy or something like that sci-fi fantasy with star wars there's a lot of subgenres in the um, very more broad sci-fi genre, but this thing is a little bit more unique than that, and a little, a lot more niche. The only t other type of content that I've consumed that's under this sort of subgenre, um, which is kind of it, it's is Firefly, the TV show Firefly. Now, Firefly is nothing like this film Prospect. It's not like it at all. Don't go into this film thinking that, but it's under that almost sci-fi western genre i think they have that in common this film i would consider is almost more of a western film than a sci-fi film which i thought was really cool i mean the story itself is very western um you know you have a young family out on this new frontier prospecting for some type of you know mineral or substance that will you know hopefully make the money and a lot of other people are out doing the same thing and maybe are willing to you know not do good things to get what they want and being you know willing to take what you want by force you know so and also dealing with a quote-unquote native population at the same time and also dealing with the elements of this new frontier it's a very western story and even the characters are very western pedro pascal's character ezra even speaks with like a southern accent which i thought was really cool and funny but uh yeah i mean like i said this film kind of um i went in blind and i honestly suggest you do the same because there's a lot about this film that i haven't said that i'm not going to spoil for you that's really cool um other than it's kind of a Western film. So just getting into a little bit more of the specifics about the film and what it does really well is, um, first off, when it f first starts out, it has this very Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott's alien feel to the technology. It's very analog. Um, 
if you've seen Alien, I think you kind of know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, there's no like digitization or people swiping at air, you know, at some random computer screen. No, it's very like physical and analog, you know, turning the dials, pushing buttons. And it's very, you know, I don't know, clickety clacky type of stuff and not like I, I don't I don't know how really put it in words, but um once you like start watching the film prospect you kind of understand what i'm talking about also and really only the beginning and the end and some parts in the middle um where cgi is used i think it's very very well done especially for probably the low budget that the film has i would think it doesn't seem like it would have a high budget but you can't really tell when you watch it because I mean, I, the CGI and computer effects, you know, especially in the beginning and the end, they're they're like the expanse level. They're that good. I mean, again, they don't have to use them that much other than the beginning and the end when you're actually in space and like some parts in the middle where people characters are looking at the sky and also kind of like tinting on like the actual screen, like with the planet, like dusting effects. Um, also, I think the film is written well enough to not have any, like, these exposition dump type of scenes where characters just kind of sit there and tell you what's going on. This film has none of that, which can be kind of leaned towards a sort of flaw for certain people if, you know, people aren't really willing to come be fully engaged and fully pay attention to the film because you'll probably miss some stuff. Because nothing's really explained to you. It's up to you to kind of put the pieces together and be like, oh, so you're here to get that, and that is used to do this, and you're here for that reason, and they're trying to get here to do this and get that. Okay, I get it. I'm I'm putting it together now. You know, that's kind of what you have to do throughout the film, which I really appreciate. But, you know, some other people, you know, might not. Um, But... I, I really liked it. I like when movies force you to pay attention and make you kind of almost get involved and be interactive with the with the film. I like that a lot. It really enhances the experience for me. Um, the actual setting, the quote unquote, the green, that as characters refer to it, this like you know remote moon alien world. Not really a world. It's a moon. It's very visually striking. I mean, it is very green because they call it the green, so it is very green. But, it, you know, obviously they probably filmed it at, obviously on Earth somewhere, but it doesn't seem like it. Like the film doesn't seem like, oh, they just kind of traveled down to South America somewhere into some rainforest and filmed a sci-fi movie and just kind of convinced us that this is some you know, alien moon in somewhere in space. No, it actually feels very alien and very foreign. I mean, especially to to me, because I haven't really been to a place like that, obviously. But, uh, you know, I thought it was really cool. Plus, with the computer-generated, you know, effects on screen and, like, how the setting, like, you can breathe the air, I believe, on this moon, but the air it ha- consists of all these like dust particles that will get into your lungs and eventually kill you. That's why characters wear suits with filters, with air filters. So it's like, oh, so, you, I mean, again, this isn't explained to you. You have to just kind of figure this out for yourself. But, you know, it's very dusty type of, you know, setting, and you can see that in the camera. It also kind of adds to that Western feel to it, which I really appreciated. Um, that kind of leads me into the film is just, it's, it's also just shot very well. And I think the people behind the camera really know what they're doing, which is really good. Um, obviously really good. You want your, a good film to be shot very well, but it also just, you know, enhances the tone and and just the general feel of the film. And also, you know, you know, uh, contributes to that Western feel a little bit. Um, Moving on to the acting itself is very good, especially by the two main characters, Sophie Thatcher as C and uh, Pedro Pascal as Ezra. I think both of them give spectacular performance, um, especially Pedro Pascal. He's just a fantastic actor. I mean, like I said, we know now he's going to be Joel in HBO's Last of Us TV series. And like I said in the very beginning of this review... Um, this is the film I guarantee you that they watch and was like, yep, he's our Joel because he pretty much is a Joel type of character in this, in this, um, 
in this film. And uh, so, and also, honestly, throughout the film, I was kind of, uh, this was, the, I watched this film before Pedro Pascal was revealed to be Joel um, in The Last of Us TV series. Because I, I watched this maybe like a, literally the night before, I think, it got revealed. But I was, I was even thinking to myself, honestly, this chick would have made, would make a really good Ellie. Um, but I think, again, she's a little bit, she seems to be a little bit too old to be cast in the retelling of the original, like the first Last of Us. Ellie's a little bit younger than I think she looks in this film, but I thought you would have made a good Ellie maybe if they, you know, continue like a second season being retelling the second game. I'm sure a lot of people will be pissed that they would do that because of how controversial the second Last of Us game is, but I think she would make a really good Ellie. So, And I wasn't even thinking that Pedro Pascal would be a good Joel. I wasn't thinking that, but like after, you know, knowing that he's Joel, I'm like, oh, yeah, he would be a great Joel because he's great in this film and he plays a Joel type of character. Also, just the mute, the music and, like I said, general tone of the film, it felt very original and very engaging and, again, very Western-like. I really liked it a lot. Um, now, it's not full-blown Western. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of the video game The Outer Worlds a little bit. I mean, that kind of has a weird Western feel to it a little bit. But um, I would kind of consider this under that sort of genre of sci-fi. Um, but uh, yeah, and like again, that's just kind of the biggest thing that this film really does right. Does right is it has like if this wouldn't if if people didn't know that this was taking place in space and didn't like see the poster, they just kind of heard the name Prospect. And we're told the synopsis without any reference to, like, something in space. They would say, oh, that's definitely a Western film. That's what they would say if they just, like, kind of read the synopsis. But, uh, yeah, and, like, just the suspense and the the character development and the dialogue and the story in general just contributes to this. I, I keep hammering at home, but Western feel to it, which I just... I've never really seen that before other than maybe Firefly, like a Western sci-fi. It's very, it's very cool. Um, But also, again, like small, different like themes on greed and where greed gets you and are we willing to risk it all just for this one thing that will make us money or are we, you know, just gonna, you know, protect ourselves and just do the actual right thing and, you know, not risk our lives for something that, you know, like whatever that's honestly kind of meaningless at this point but yeah i mean the film isn't quite perfect you know it is kind of under the radar i guess for some sort of reason i mean again um the film i mean it has again like i i once said um doesn't explain really quite anything to you so people probably would get lost in the film if they're not paying attention plus i mean i guess certain types of audience members don't find westerns boring i don't find westerns boring that's probably why i like i mean some people find sci-fi boring which i don't really fully understand but i mean i mean if you find both of those genres not that interesting yeah i would probably pass this one up (laughs) um but i mean I really liked it. I didn't find it boring, really. Um, I, there's three main scenes that really stand out that are very suspenseful and I think are directed and acted incredibly well. So, yeah, I mean, just overall thoughts on the film because I don't really have too much to like say bad about the film other than maybe some people, you know, you have to pay attention and you have to not find Westerns and sci-fi boring. Like, that's... That's it. But uh, if you don't, like this is a very underrated and under the radar type of film, especially especially watch this one if you're interested in watching that new Last of Us show with uh, Pedro Pascal's Joel from The Last of Us. Definitely check this one out if you're excited about that show. Um, 
solid characters, solid performances. I really like the story. Really great suspense through the the suspenseful scenes. Even in between the three main seasons I'm talking about that are in the beginning, middle, and end. Like, the shit that's between that there's some tension, you know, brewing between both the character of C and uh, um, Pedro Pascal's character, Ezra. So... Does it have the movie magic though? Yeah, I think this would definitely have this dev film definitely has the movie magic for me. Um, I mean, like I said, I I kind of like westerns, and I you know if you've listened to me before, I love sci-fi. So yeah, I mean this is it's it's a win-win for me. So yeah, this is a great film. Very it's it surprised me on almost all fronts on how well directed it is, well well acted, well written. The story like gets right into it, doesn't waste any time. So, yeah, I mean, if you think this film's going to be boring because it's a sci-fi and a Western at the same time, you're wrong. Don't think that. Just check it out. I, 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 will, I, I highly recommend this one. Okay. So, moving on. Moving on to our next film. Uh, which is another um, sort of, it's not another older film, but it's a first of sort of, I mean, I don't want to say older because this film came out in 2003. Uh, We got Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. I'm just going to refer to it as the Master and Commander because Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, might be one of the longest fucking movie titles in history. But uh, anyway, Master and Commander, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the film, it's about um, this British warship and Napoleonic War Times that is sort of contracted or assigned to track down and hunt and hopefully take this French warship called the Acheron um, that's sort of in the locations near South America. Um, and I think they're not supposed to follow it past Brazil. At least that's... Ref- um, revealed by the captain who was um Jack Aubrey played by um Russell Crowe. <laughs> I don't know why I blanked on his name. Um this is a yeah, so like I said, it stars Russell Crowe, also stars Paul Bettany um as the ship's doctor, which I I, w- I was kind of surprised um by, but uh it's directed by uh Peter Ware and written by it's ba- it's written by Peter Ware as well, the screenplay, but it's based off of a series of novels by Patrick O'Brien, uh, which detail the naval career of this Jack Aubrey, who was an uh, an English naval captain who in real life. And so this one little like naval, you know, excursion, um, I guess was detailed in a series and I think it's like a over a span of three of his novels about Jack Aubrey, which I thought was really cool. Uh, I don't know how historically accurate it is, but, you know, this film has been built up to me by a couple of my friends saying that this film is spectacular and really awesome. I don't know why I haven't really watched this film. I guess maybe it's in terms of availability or something, but, you know, unbeknownst to me it's available on amazon prime so there's no fucking excuse for me not to watch this and so i did but i watched this film having extremely high expectations because this film again has been built up to me heavily and it's a relatively older film from 2003 i mean it's kind of crazy that a film that come that came out in 2003 is a rel- is considered a relatively older film I mean, it is 18 years old, but I mean, a relatively older film is fucking younger than me. <laughs> so, yeah, holy shit, I guess I'm relatively old, too. I mean, I'm not. I'm 24. I mean, I'm not that old. I'm not old at all. But uh, anyway, like I said, um, going to this film had huge high expectations for this one. I mean, like, I think this film has a pretty high Rotten Tomato score. I mean, I'm pretty sure it won best... I don't know. It didn't win Best Picture, but I'm pretty sure it was nominated for Best Picture. So, I mean, it's not really an underrated film. So, but uh, just getting into it, um, the film kind of does everything right and definitely meets my ex- met my extremely high expectations. The story is very simple. 
like it, it's exactly what I just told you, and it outlines that like in sort in some subtext in the very beginning of the film, overlaying an awesome shot of the HMS Surprise, which is the ship that you follow, um, Captain by Jack Aubrey. It's very simple, and it gets straight into it, like straight into it. The the, the opening scene is them finding the Acheron or like running into it um which is the opening scene's really great um but doesn't waste any time which I really appreciated um especially from a, a film that's kind of of this run a long run time of two hours 20 minutes but uh yeah so I really appreciated I all I just in general really appreciate films that just get right into it, and this one definitely does the character development is done without any type of like almost sit down and spew out character development scenes. I mean, there is a couple, but I mean, like again, it's it's done in such a way that it feels organic, and the how like the this is how characters would actually talk in these certain types of situations, which I really appreciated, and it just you know I don't know it just seemed very real. I guess, um, which is something that we'll also be bringing up later, uh, the concept of realism. But um, the acting ensemble is spectacular, really, really surprising. I mean, obviously, the two main characters really stand out with Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany, both delivering amazing performances. I loved both of them in this film. They were both fantastic. But every other character, all the side characters... um, the child actor that's in it does a fantastic job. Um, Pippin from Lord of the Rings is in in a, in a minor role. I thought that was really awesome. I was like, oh, dude, Pippin from Lord of the Rings, sick. I thought that was really sweet. But, um, yeah, acting ensemble is definitely awesome. Um, but I think the best compliment I can really give this film is, um, like I said before, how goddamn real it feels. Um, I mean, just the dialogue and the terminology by all, you know, the crew members and, you know, the command members and just, you know, the seamen, the seamen, <laughs> the seamen, okay? Jesus Christ. But, um, yeah, this, like the dialogue and the terminology are, you know, spoken like they would actually speak in those type of times. The instruments that they use to, like, you know, calculate speed and depth of um of you know their ship is really cool um the you know the type of superstitions and crew dynamics that um the the crew of the hms surprise has to deal with is really cool and i feel pretty realistic of how i'm sure uh, naval people would actually be on cruise ships like you know warships back in those days um, just the practical effects and the action scenes are spectacular. It really adds to the, like, I don't know, I, I mean, like, almost grittiness to, you know, the action and naval battles in the scene. Probably the best naval battles I've ever seen put to screen. Ever. Um, I mean, I don't really think, I couldn't really tell if CGI was, I mean, obviously CGI is used in some scenes, especially during... Um, one scene in particular, it does kind of stand out a little bit, but that was, it was like one scene like that. It's like barely fucking used. I mean, the ship that they're on is a real ship. It's the actual HMS surprise, which is awesome. I thought that was really cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, just so the practicality and the, like, you know, the sparing use of CGI and even when they use CGI, I mean, I only kind of caught it one time, so if they used it more than just once and during one scene, I mean, I didn't see it. I couldn't tell. So um, I also loved how we just kind of stuck with the British warship and didn't see any type of perspective from the French warship, which I thought was cool. There's like a couple of times where like there's a shot of our English warship that we're following from like a telescope that's, you know, on the French Acheron, which I thought was really cool. I'll kind of like build a lot of suspense there. Um, and just the continuing, um, attention to these small details throughout the film is just really cool. It's just, Oh man, like I didn't, I didn't realize that was 
a thing. Oh, that's really cool. And that would be consistently me like saying out loud, like, oh man, that's real. That's really cool that they, you know, actually took into account that. I thought that was really cool. And that, that was just consistent throughout the entire runtime of the film, which I thought was awesome. I also loved how they built up this like French warship, the Acheron. I mean, first off, badass name for a warship but how it's like it's bigger it's better it's faster than the main english warship and you know the crew of the hms surprise definitely find that out in the very beginning of the, sh- of, uh, the film but um yeah it just really builds it up um and it really enhances the suspense and like the thrills when shit does go down if you don't think shit goes down in this film shit goes down in this film whether it's you know, through naval combat, which, like I said, best probably naval battles I've ever seen in a film, um, or dealing with the elements, or dealing with a crew superstition and like just other crew di- relation uh, dynamics that the uh, the surprise has to deal with was also really great. Um, and final, I mean, just final, you know, awesome part of the film is just it's technically flawless. The, down to cinematography, the sound design. Oh, the sound design is so good. Visible orgasm on my face when I'm watching. I'm like, oh my god, the cannons <laughs> sound so good. Um, stumbling over my words, the sound design is so good. But um, the editing and just the direction, the acting performances, it's just so amazing. Uh, just again, I couldn't. It's just, it's great. It pretty much does everything right. I mean, is it a perfect film? Probably not. I mean, it does kind of revert back to this, like, Moby Dick type of cliche formula for the captain. Like, oh, we have to capture and take the Akron. It's at all costs, you know, willing to sacrifice his crew and the ship just to, you know, one last fight with this thing. I mean, it doesn't fully commit to that which i actually liked i was like okay we you know we got some sense here (laughs) but uh it does have that cliche to it a little bit i guess and also the film is quite long um i think specifically it has a two hour 18 minutes 18 minute runtime it's like again it's like two hours 20 minutes Um, i think that's including credits so it's a bit long but not too long really but maybe there's a couple of parts that you could have cut out but i mean whatever i'm just kind of nitpicking at this point i mean other than that i can't really find anything else wrong with it so overall thoughts i mean it's spectacular it's fucking awesome i mean like i said best naval battles ever put the screen i've ever seen and it's made back in 2003 which like i said relatively older film but i mean just really great if you're a really big fan of colonial war type of battles or like naval battles and the history behind it definitely watch this one i mean i'm you sure i'm sure you have um i don't really know how historically accurate this film is i didn't really look at it because i don't really think it really matters it's just a really entertaining story like i said kind of different from that you know the trials of the chicago seven how i believe historical accuracy kind of matters a little bit more with that film because it's politically charged and has a political message to it that's kind of relevant to modern day this one doesn't have a political message to it and it's not relevant to modern day it's just a really cool entertaining naval battle film you know and you can just appreciate the filmmaking and it's great so honestly i think in general it's just kind of a must watch um does it got the movie magic though yeah yeah it has the fucking movie magic i mean i mean a little bit of a spoiler every film that i'm gonna be talking about it in this episode is gonna have the movie magic but this one also especially has the movie magic so yeah, like I said, best naval battles I've ever seen. Just watch it, Master and Commander. It's the shit. It's available on Amazon Prime. So yeah, that's that one. Moving on to the final film before we get into my top 100, guys. Moving on to uh, a different, definitely different film. Um, I believe I, I reviewed Grave of the Fireflies on this channel. It's actually weirdly my most popular video, which I thought was kind of weird, kind of jumped out at me. But again, I, th- I believe that's Studio Ghibli, and this one is definitely Studio Ghibli. We're talking Spirited Away, available on HBO Max. Uh, I believe it came out in 2001 in Japan and 2003 in the U.S. 
So another relatively older film, <laughs> like I said, with Master and Commander. But uh, yeah, if you aren't familiar with Spirited Away, um, it's about a younger family who has a young 10-year-old daughter. Um, they're moving to the suburbs, basically. They're you know moving, starting a new life a little bit. And they kind of, when they're driving to their new home, they kind of go off the beaten path and try to take a shortcut. And they end up being in this sort of amusement park or another world of sorts and stuff happens. And that's kind of all I'm going to say, but what I can reveal is it has a heavy Alice in Wonderland type of feel. I mean, it's not a direct copy of Alice in Wonderland, but that's just kind of the general tone and feel that I got out of the film. So like I said, it's a Studio Ghibli film, and not only a Studio Ghibli film, it's a Hayao Miyazaki film who's very revered in the Japanese animation space, and quite deservingly so. Um, uh, Studio Ghibli, I mean, again, to put a really basic comparison on Studio Ghibli, it's kind of the Japanese version of Disney, I guess you would say. I mean, again, that's kind of putting a basic comparison on it. I mean, it's not really like Disney at all, but like it's it's up to that quality. It's that type of quality animation. And this like really, you know, puts that like puts that stamp on it on Studio Ghibli from because me personally, I haven't seen a lot of Studio Ghibli films. I've seen uh, Grave of the Fireflies that I've reviewed on this channel. That is fantastic. Pro definitely not for kids. Definitely an adult animation film, but an absolute must-watch. And I've seen My Neighbor Totoro, which is definitely a kid, a more kid-friendly film, very kid-friendly film, and also very spectacular. And I think and that's a Hayao Miyazaki film. Grave of the Fireflies isn't, but um, like My Neighbor Totoro, I think this one maybe not as much for kids as My Neighbor Totoro because there is a little bit more of nightmares imagery in this one than My Neighbor Totoro, I feel like. We'll get into that a little bit more, but um, like I said, this one is uh, Spirited Away is a little bit more modern than that one. I think My Neighbor Totoro came out in 1988. This one came out in 2001 in Japan. So a little bit more modern, but out of all, out of the, t out of the three films that I've seen from Studio Ghibli, this one I believe is my hands down my favorite. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's just get into the film and why I think it's fucking amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, there's really no point in really saying this, but I'm going to say it. The animation is visually stunning, and unlike, like, throughout the film, I was constantly being like, dude, like, I've never seen this before. Like, I've never experienced this before. Like, it, it's just, I mean... Just the ideas and concepts are unlike anything I have ever seen. I mean, that kind of goes for pretty much all of Hayao Miyazaki films, and I'm definitely going to be checking out more because I'm. I believe there's a lot. There's a couple more from Studio Ghibli and Hayao Miyazaki on HBO Max, and I'm definitely going to be checking them out and reviewing them on this channel. Um, maybe ranking them in the future. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, just the ideas and concepts are are unlike that anything that I've ever seen that is consistent through Hayao Miyazaki films. And this one is no different. Um, just the world that is imagined and visualized on screen is just, there's only one word and I can only, you know, describe it as just, it's just special. You know, it's just, that's, it's special is a word that I'm going to be constantly attaching to this film because that's just kind of how I feel about it. it it's it's that good. <laughs> um, like, I I mean, again, kind of uh, like b the both previous films that I've talked on this Nerd Out Sanctuary episode, it it gets right into the action. It, like, wastes no time. Um, it just gets right into it. They're driving to their new home, take off, you know, on a sort of shortcut, run to this weird-ass place and shit starts happening and you know our main character um chihiro who's uh the young daughter the 10 year old daughter in the in the film our main character gets you know absorbed and lost in this this world <laughs> um that is 
absolutely crazy and stunning to look at um, and very nightmarish at times. Um, but uh, yeah, um, the main thing that I loved about the film is that... Oh, got a quick message. Sorry about that. Let me put my phone away. Let me just, I'm just throwing it. I just threw my phone. Um, hopefully I didn't break it. Uh, but the main thing that this film really does that I loved is the progression of Chihiro's character and how she starts out being this like very like you know very afraid cowardly I guess you could say but I mean she is also a 10 year old girl and also kind of you know sort of useless in this world and then she develops into the like the bravest character in the story and the most useful character in the story and it's just such a great character arc and a great message to send to just people and kids in general that, you know, yeah, you know, you can get through these hard times and especially if they're crazy and remember these crazy and hard times because you're going to be coming along hard times in the future and just know that, well, you got you got through these hard times. So what what the fuck is this? You know, it's something that I tell myself, you um, all the time, you know, because I've gone through some pretty hard shit myself, you know, whenever, you know, I was stressing for an exam in college or having a hard time at work. I'm like, you know what, what the fuck is this shit? I mean, like, I've been through so much crap in my life. Like, what's what's a little bad grade on an exam or a bad day at work? There's always tomorrow, you know, just we're all in this together, you know, type of type of stuff. And I thought that was really cool. And it's a really great message. And I just loved how our main character Chihiro really evolved throughout the film that kind of set the film apart from other Japanese animation that I've seen. Cause this one might be my favorite, um, that I've ever seen, um, which is saying a lot because I've seen, I mean, it's not saying that much cause I haven't seen too many, um, Japanese animation films, but I mean, I've seen ghost in the shell, Akira, you know, My Neighbor Totoro, Grave of the Fireflies, and I think Spirited Away might be my favorite. Um, or at least I'm going to rewatch the most, um, which matters a lot to me. But, uh, I mean, also just a random thing that I kind of really dug is just this film is kind of low-key scary. <laughs> um, so it has definitely some nightmarish imagery in it which I appreciate. I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, your kids might be traumatized if they watch it at like a really young age, but I mean, come on, who hasn't been traumatized by some random like animated film like Fantasia or James and the Giant Peach? I still, I'm still fucking getting over my trauma from watching James and the Giant Peach as a young child, okay? Don't, don't fuck with that movie, man. That movie is hands down a horror film like not low-key no it's actually a horror film and i will stand by that i i mean i love james and the giant peach but legitimately scary okay i still i still think that movie's scary and i watch horror films like on a regular you know i love horror films i still think that film is scarier than probably any horror film that i've seen Okay, maybe not going that far. All right, let me just calm down a little bit. But again, so what? It has some nightmarish imagery. I still think it's a really great film to show to your kids. You know, maybe when they're like, I don't know, eight, ten years old, definitely show them this film. I think this film is fucking phenomenal. Um, and I think kids can learn a thing or two by watching it. And that's that's a big thing when you're trying to, you know, give them some you know, films or entertainment, you know, not only entertain them, but, you know, have them come out with something, you know, have them learn something, some personal development experience a little, you know, that they can take with them in the future. And I definitely think this film has, and that's why I think it's so quote unquote special. Um, I mean, again, like, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. I mean, I have a random, random small critique, I think, uh, there's a big uh, character reveal at the end of the film um, that I thought was a little bit random and didn't have that as big of emotional punch that I think the film thought it did. 
Um, I mean, it still does have an emotional punch, and it does tease the reveal a little bit, like, you know, in, towards the middle of the film. But, uh, you know, I just thought it was a little bit random. Sorry, excuse me. A little bit out of left field. But, I mean, I still really love the scene. I still think it's an emotional scene. I just didn't think it was as emotional as it could have been. That's just me. But uh, still a great moment in the film, and that's that's it. That's all. That's all I have to say, <laughs> like, wrong about the film. So, I mean, overall... Like I said, it's a special experience. It's so good. I love Spirited Away. Hands down, probably my favorite Japanese animation film that I've seen so far. Uh, we'll be watching more, especially watching more Hayao Miyazaki, Miyazaki films because man's fucking talented and the man's a fucking legend. I mean, just... Does Spirited Away have the movie magic? What, what do you think? Like, yeah, it does have the fucking movie magic. Come on. Come on now. It's great. I mean, like, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote movie, has the movie magic, like, in big capital letters with exclamation points, underlined, triple underlined. Like, not even halfway through the film. I'm like, hands down has the movie magic. I mean, granted, I'm not, I try to talk about positive things on this channel and so most things are gonna have my movie magic well, at least all the films are gonna have the movie magic but like this one i mean if no film would have it on this channel this this would um this one was awesome probably one of the better th films I've, rev I've reviewed on this channel you know besides my top 100 probably i mean this one would probably make it in eventually i watch it a couple more times this is definitely this film's got high potential to cheat its way in there and bump some films out. I mean, there's a couple of films that I've been, like, thinking about, like James and the Giant Peach, for example. I'm like, ah, man, I probably should have put those in my top 100. And this one's going to be in that consideration. So maybe in the future down the line I'll put those in and modify my top 100 at, you know, later down the road, way later down the road. I'm not even done revealing my top 100 yet. But, yeah, like I said... It's an animated film that both kids who are maybe a little bit older, around 8 to 10, and and you, an adult, can really enjoy. It's really great. You know, just kind of know that there is some nightmarish imagery in there. Kind of like Alice in Wonderland a little bit. I mean, Alice in Wonderland, the actual story that it, Alice in Wonderland is based off of is kind of, kind of screwed up. So, um, but I mean, the film is really great, so... And it's the same with Spirited Away. It's great. Check it out. It's on HBO Max, so if you have it, definitely watch it. It's great. Plus, the music's underrated in it, too. The music's fantastic. Okay, so, Jesus. Three films up, three films down. So, we're talking about five more films that are in my top 100. We're talking my number 22 through my number 16 um, films in my top 100 list. So if you don't know anything about my channel, uh, check back um, uh, for my previous reveals of my top 100 for, I think, what, 100 through 20? Um, it's, a, it's a decent backlog, so, you know, have fun going through all of those. I mean, hopefully you enjoy them. I think, I think, I think these are some of the best parts of my show, so, and that's what I've been hearing uh, from some feedback by, you know, my friends, I guess, the only people that actually tune into the show. So, but like I said, like every other one of my uh, top 100 topics, I like to give some disclaimers for people who don't know um, about this segment is that all these films in my list have my stamp of approval, my movie magic. That's what I give all my films. If like, you know, I really like it or I think it's special or I don't. And obviously all these do. It's my top 100 films of all time. I mean, why wouldn't they? I'm not going to go in through an in-depth review of each one of these films. I'm just going to I'm gonna mention them, mention their spot, whether or not they might rise and fall. I mean, we're kind of getting into the films that aren't really going to be rising and fall. They're pretty set in stone. I mean, they're my top 20 now. Uh, and just kind of like a quick little snippet of why I like them so much. And just, again, this is my opinion. So, I mean, if your film's not in my top 100, I'm sorry. You know, comment below if, you know, what's your favorite film or give me your top 10 list of films of all time. I would love to hear it. 
you know, uh, discussions about film are, are the best. That's why I'm doing this podcast because I love talking about movies. Movies are fucking great. So, like I said, just my opinion. It's not objective fact that these this is the top 100 films of all time. Objective, and it's not. It's not objective. Films are subjective. They're an art form. Like, come on now. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Number 20. At the 20 spot, we got, just ahead of Ridley Scott's Aliens, we got James Cameron, James Cameron's Aliens, plural. Um, I mean, probably, it's my favorite Alien film of the franchise. I know it's kind of, a lot of people just got triggered that Alien isn't, you know, your favorite alien film you know it's the definitive alien film it's the cosmic horror but this is definitely a more sci-fi action film it's not my favorite sci-fi action film of all time there's one more film that's higher on this list that's sci-fi action we'll be talking about that one in probably a couple episodes um but uh aliens is great i mean no shade on the original Alien. I just think this one is just more rewatchable and more... It's a, so quotable. Don't worry, Ripley. Me and my squad of ultimate badasses will protect you. <laughs> I mean, come on, Hudson. You know, you want some? Yeah. I mean, come on. It's so great. I mean, Vasquez, let's rock. I mean, come on. I mean, how can you not love Aliens? I have, like, awesome memories of me and my friends watching this one for like movie night. It's it's so great. This film is so amazing. I love it so much. Aliens is my favorite alien movie. That's number 20. Moving on up, we're going number 19 with the first part one of the Godfather trilogy. I A lot of people like part two more. I, I, I love part two as well. It's in my top 100. It's in like, a, I think a couple episodes back. Um, it's a couple spots, you know, back, but... I, I don't know. It's just whenever I want to watch a Godfather film, I, I, I watch the first one. I don't know. It's something about the first one I just like a little bit better. And me personally, I think it's the best mafia film ever made. And I think it will probably forever will be. So, yeah, the Godfather part one, I like it better than the second part. I mean, that's probably an uncommon opinion, but it's my fucking opinion. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> Moving on. Number 18, we got Star Wars A New Hope, uh, the first ever Star Wars film, and I think probably the fir- the best first film in a series probably ever. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, the hi- it's higher than uh, Fellowship. Um, it's higher than, I think, I don't even think Batman Begins is in my top 100. So I think it probably is my favorite first film in a series, I believe. I mean, we'll see how my, my the rest of my my list is goes out, but I'm almost positive it is. I mean, it's it's my it's my favorite franchise of all time, Star Wars, and no matter how much Disney fucks it up, it it's always gonna be. And uh, like I'll always have the original trilogy, and this just kicks it off with a bang. It's so good. It has. The perfect format of the hero's journey. Um, so great. I mean, it's just a classic story and forever will be classic. It's so good. It's Star Wars. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, number 17, we got a different, an interesting one. I'm actually watching uh, Fargo right now, but this isn't Fargo. This is another Coen Brothers film. We got The Big Lebowski. This is my favorite Coen Brothers film. Big Lebowski, another quotable film doesn't everybody give a fuck about the fucking rules <laughs> something like that oh dude Ugh. it's such a great film I, I mean jeff bridges the dude I mean, come on well that's just like your opinion man that's my whole top 100 list it's just my opinion man but i mean like i mean the dude i'm the dude you're mr lebowski i'm the dude i mean come on another quotable awesome film i mean definitive coen brothers it's great absurd story you have it's so unpredictable it's so funny probably one of the best dark comedies of all time i mean it's the big lebowski it's you're mr lebowski i'm the dude (laughs) i mean the dude is i mean jeff bridges man so, so good and finally we got number 16 we have my favorite horror film and i think i believe the scariest horror film of all time in my opinion 
I mean, maybe maybe The Exorcist could rival it, rival it a little bit, but my favorite horror film of all time is The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I know a lot of people uh, criticize this film, especially uh, Stephen King. Stephen King is notorious for hating this film because of how it really doesn't follow um, his book of The Shining. Um, but I still think it captures the horror behind it. And I think The Shining is a definitive film. Like, it encapsulates, like, an emotion and an experience. Like, think about Dunkirk, on uh, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, and how it definitively, like, makes you experience, like, wartime fear and survival instinct almost and that whole experience i feel like this film makes you experience like in like pure insanity <laughs> like actual insanity and like absolute horror like that this is a definitive film for that and i think this is probably one of the more original films that actually you know influenced this uh influx of dis like what i like to call domestic horror films like your hereditaries or uh, Midsommar, or The Babadook, these, like, really, like, really dark conceptual horror films that are just so scary because of the types, types of themes that it explores. I mean, The Shining explores those exact same themes, and it's one of the original ones to do that. That's probably why I think it's so goddamn scary. So... I'm also kind of quotable. Honey, I'm home. I said, I don't want to hurt you. I just want to bash your brains in. I mean, come on. Who doesn't Who doesn't think that film is scary? I mean, come on now. The Shining's classic. So with that, guys, like I said, a lot of these, these couple films, we're getting my top 20 now. They're probably unchangeable. They're not going to change too much. I mean, once you get past my top 50 i mean it's kind of like they're all set in stone but af after my like you know before my top 50 i think those films have a chance of moving around and maybe getting bumped out of the list um especially with these films that i've been thinking about you know i should have been putting in like you know like a spirited away or other other random films that i've been thinking about but uh yeah so with that guys that's the uh that's the episode uh yeah uh been watching a lot of Fargo, so I have this, like, weird fucking Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Oh, golly gee there. Uh, that was a that was a long episode there. Uh, oh, man. Oh, golly gee there. Uh, I can't believe how long that was. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, I've been watching a lot of Fargo. Good show. Um, probably going to review season three because that's what I'm watching now. So look for that maybe in the future episode. And like I said, uh, been slowly working on a Why I Love episode. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get that out to you guys before I go back to work. So, and if that, if I go back to work before I put that one out, it's probably going to be a little bit delayed, but I will eventually put it out and uh, probably look for more weekly shows at this, at this time. Um, you know, I got a couple of things that I kind of need to do before I go back to work. So I might be a little bit, uh, more busy, but, uh, and I don't know when I'm going to be going back to work. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I hope you guys have been enjoying my past episodes. And I hope you guys keep enjoying it and keep coming back. I really appreciate all you guys who are listening and also watching my uh, my uh, my clips on YouTube. Please don't be afraid to comment and, you know, ask me some questions. And if you want to, you know, message me and ask me a question on Twitter, go ahead. Like I said, it's Michael Donato at NOS underscore Mikey on Twitter. I have a link to it on my uh, YouTube page. So just go uh, to Nerd Out Sanctuary on YouTube. It's There's a link to it. So if you want an easy way to do that. But uh, yeah, um, like I said, that's episode number 33. Um, I don't know when my next episode is going to be uploaded. Uh, maybe similar time next week. Or I don't know, maybe I might be a little bit extra motivated and try to get get it out to you earlier than that but i'm probably gonna guess no but who knows i'm a wild card i'm unexpected um unpredictable so who knows and i'm gonna try to avoid rambling um still have no idea how to end these episodes but uh yeah 
like I said, time and time again, appreciate you guys a lot. Hope you keep enjoying these. Catch you guys on the next episode of Internet Sanctuary. Peace. Peace.